The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Pod to Chat, Talking Dance. If you're a regular, you're probably listening and going, what is wrong with him? Yes, as you can probably tell, I have lost my voice. <laughs> and honestly, I have not been that well lately. So um, I apologize for missing the last episode. Um, the last month has just been a bit tricky. My, uh, my cat got very, very sick and we had to put him to sleep and that was a process and then the day that he uh the day that he we put him to sleep i got sick and i'll get more into that in a second so anyway if i sound weird that's why but i didn't want to leave you guys without an episode for an entire month so here i am sexy radio voice and all <laughs> to bring you some new content um but yeah, this episode, it might be shorter than usual. I don't know how much longer my voice is going to last. This is actually the best my voice has been in a week. So let's see how that goes. But yeah, what's going on otherwise? I'm choreographing a piece for Broadway Dance in his pro semester. And then also, this is a Wednesday that I'm recording, even though this releases on Fridays. Um, I have a piece premiering at the Steps Professional Performance Workshop tomorrow. It stops on Broadway. Also doing a ton of company launch preparations and teaching and all that stuff. So... Luckily, this uh, this Saturday, one of our friends is treating us to a trip to Buffalo for a few days. And then we're going to go head down to Philadelphia to visit my family for the holidays. So I will get a break, but this is where we are right now. I only have three more days that I have to get through being able to talk. And then maybe I can be just a mute for a couple of days. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> All right. So as I mentioned, the past few weeks have been a struggle for me, both emotionally and physically. I felt ready to get back to the grind after our vacation in San Francisco, which also at times was a working vacation because I'm constantly working on the company and uh, there was a little bit more that was happening out there. But my husband and I were blindsided the first week when we when we came back. As I said, our, our relatively healthy 14 and a half year old cat, uh, when we arrived home, he so just something was wrong and he was starting to drool constantly. And over the next week after we got back, we found out that he had terminal oral cancer. And the, the vet suggested that we might have a month, but suggested that we don't put the, or sorry, he, he mentioned we might have a month, but strongly recommended not waiting the entire month because he said that things would go downhill fast. And they did. Um, luckily, we had some really nice time with him the last two weeks that were very heartwarming. He was himself and he was his sweet and loving self the whole time. And in the last like day and a half, you could tell that he was in a lot of pain. So yeah, suddenly the focus went from work and self to comfort for a pet. Any and every break I had from work, 
between Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Connecticut, I would run home just to check on him and to comfort him and make sure that he was okay. Also, I've been having some shoulder pain when I was when I sleep. This is just like the life of a dancer. So if I put my right arm up, <laughs> it wakes me up because it hurts. But also, something that happens is my cat slept by my by my head on the right side, and uh, we usually would kind of spoon. So I kind of just like gave up my own comfort so that he could be comforted. So I struggled with sleep. Um, and even at one point before he passed away, I felt like I was catching a cold, but somehow I fended it off with relatively no downtime and very, a very poor sleep pattern. So it makes sense that finally a week ago on Wednesday, we released our cat from his suffering. And then that very night, my work stress and poor self-care came crashing down on me. So yeah, I know that was like a lot of explanation and you're either sitting there like, oh my God, like, I don't want to listen to this. It's the holidays. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm not telling you this story to make you feel bad. I, I'm doing it to make a point. This story isn't about that experience as much as it is about the fallout of me getting sick. So I felt a scratch in my throat on Wednesday last week, like a week ago. And then by Thursday evening, while I was teaching, I began losing my voice. On Friday, I had absolutely nothing left and I practically had to whisper to teach. I know you're already thinking like, why did he teach? He shouldn't teach, he's sick. Um, But yeah, with all this, I still taught and rehearsed Brooklyn Ballet. I taught my Broadway Dance Center classes. I taught in Stanford, Connecticut on my regular Saturday schedule for four hours with also a four-hour commute on top of the four hours teaching. I ran a workshop that had been scheduled two months in advance on Sunday where I taught a ballet, an hour and a half ballet class and then gave an additional hour lecture on uh, auditions for the for Broadway Dance Center's children's program. I taught a class on Monday and then ran a four-hour rehearsal for my Broadway Dance Center piece. Uh, and then on Tuesday, I taught two more classes. Uh, so uh, this today, luckily, I, I didn't have to teach anything, So, but I've been home working. But I, I ended up sleeping until like 1 o'clock, which obviously my body needed. But uh, it's been a week, and I still have relatively little... <laughs> uh, of a week after getting sick today. So um, I guess I have like three or four more days. But uh, my husband advised me against podcasting, but I felt it was necessary to follow through with this commitment, especially considering I missed last uh, two weeks ago because we we're concerned and taking care of our cats. So yeah, the question is, why the hell am I not taking a day off? By this, <laughs> uh, I mean, at this point, uh, this is, it seems like this is a symptom of dance culture. And I said culture in case you didn't catch that because my voice goes, as you know. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there was an article that Dance Magazine put out on November 1st, and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, it discussed nine different studies on dance that could change how we approach uh, dance in the studio in the future. Obviously, it wasn't going to enact change now, but um, there were it was everything from like physical health to mental health to like care and whatnot. So two of these kind of stuck out. Uh, to me when I read it, especially considering where I am right now. Um, but yeah, one, one talks about dancers getting injured and ill. So they started with 16 healthy dancers and fit, within uh, three months, 50% of them required medical attention. And by five months, every single dancer but one in that study required medical attention. They also reported 4.6 injuries for every thousand hours of work among dancers and then 9.1 illnesses for the same amount of time. But most striking in this study 
was the fact that none of the illnesses resulted in time away from dance. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, my story is very, very relevant here at this point now, right? You're wondering like, why did he tell us his sob story uh, to get, uh, uh, why did he tell us the sob, the sob story? But now we've gotten to the point where it's, it's all making sense. So um, obviously this is ingrained in our dance culture. There is a culture of either it's, it's weird because it's, it's very, it's like one or the other. It's extremely black or white. Either you are replaceable or you are so irreplaceable that nothing can go on without you. So it's like a dancer, maybe they don't feel that they are so valued in whatever system they're in, whether it be a, a school, a company, a production. Um, but maybe they don't feel valued enough that they know that their job or their role, their cast, whatever they were cast to do is going to be there if they miss a couple of days of, of work or training to get better. Um, I mean, I, I had this experience, what was this, two weeks ago with my Broadway Dance Center piece. I was, I'm choreographing this piece and they give us such a short period of time to put together that we don't have time for error. And, uh, there was a dancer who was very sick and they had sent an email to the point of contact at Broadway Dance Center and I had rehearsal at like, what was it, like 10, 10 o'clock in the morning and I got an email at like 9.30 that this dancer wasn't going to be able to attend rehearsal. I was planning on starting to work with that dancer in a specific section that day and I was like, well, now I have to completely figure out like what I'm going to do in rehearsal. Um, but also I'm going, well, I, I don't have extra hours to wait for this for another week. So I'm just going to have to replace them. Um, and then I walk in the studio, I get to the studio and the first person that walks up to me is that dancer that sent an email that said that they weren't going to be able to come in because they had like a fever over a hundred degrees. And I was like, what are you doing here? And, and he was like, I wanted to be here. So it's I as much as I'm going to complain about this today, uh, being a part of our culture, uh, I also unfortunately am one of the people that are uh, allowing this cycle to continue. Um, I mean, I, 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 I could have been like, go home, um, get better. But at the same time, it, I was given other like they, they were given a challenge. I was given other challenges and I had to work with what I get. So. Yeah, that's the replaceable thing. But then the irreplaceable thing is kind of what I've been experiencing lately, which I mean, it feels good to be able to say that, but at the same time, it's it leads to different things happening. You have like I feel like in dance you have more sick people coming coming into work than anywhere else. Um the reason that I haven't taken a day off is because I was hired as interim ballet master for Brooklyn Ballet. Um, I am interim. I am replacing the ballet master. There's nobody else to replace me. Um, I, I also didn't know that I was going to feel as sick as I did on Friday morning on Thursday night. So I, it's not like I woke up on Friday morning and I could find somebody to cover my class an hour and a half after I woke up uh, that, I, that I was teaching their company class. So I had to go. Um, on Saturday, I went to Ballet School of Stanford, um, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later. I can't miss that work because of my finances. On Sunday, I had scheduled this lecture and workshop uh, months in advance. I prepared for it, put in the work, and these 30 to 40 kids at Broadway Dance Center were relying on me to give this lecture. And if I called in a day before, two days before, um, 
a, they didn't have somebody that could replace me because I had prepared like an hour lecture. Uh, they can replace me in such short notice. Also, I needed the income. Um, the rehearsal on Monday this past week with Broadway Dance Center, I, as I told you already, I have a very limited amount of time. They practically give you just enough time to get the work together, the choreography together, and maybe to rehearse it for a few hours. So I had to go to those four hours of rehearsal. Um, so it's gotten to the point where there are things that I have committed to and I'm irreplaceable. And for me to call out sick would create a major issue for these organizations and could result in, for some in certain situations, lost income and things like that. So yeah, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, for me lately, I've struggled with situations where things can't go on without me. And like I said, it's nice to think about that on a surface level, but when I have no voice and can't call out of, uh, of something, uh, it affects me. Beyond this, considering the rate of pay for certain services, I can't physically afford to take time off. My health insurance costs $1,400 a month. That's for my husband and myself. Last year, we had a really bad uh, bronze level plan. And I've ta- I think I've talked about this briefly. Uh, I, you have to, and, and we were on Obamacare and we had gone a subsidy, but we had made some mistakes and I didn't realize that I was going to make a certain amount of money and we had to pay back $8,000. So we didn't use it. It was really bad. So this year we were like, well, if we, we were going to get screwed, we might as well actually get better health insurance and actually use it. So um, this year we, we got a gold plan. It's $1,400 a month. And what I learned after I got that plan is anytime I see a doctor, I have to pay everything until I reach my deductible, which isn't incredibly high, but there's also certain out-of-pocket costs up to $4,000. So uh, I know I get paid better than other other dancers, um, but this is also, I, I'm a former dancer. I'm still a dancer. I still take class. Um, this is a survival, a survival pattern. Um, $1,400 a month is a big chunk of change. And then to think that if I go to the doctor, I have to pay even more and chances are I'm not going to know what they're going to pay me. Like I went to a cardiologist and just to spend five minutes with a cardiologist, I'm, I'm being charged something like $150. Um, so I'm afraid to go to the doctor because every time that I go to the doctor, it's not just the $1,400. Like I could be paying a couple hundred dollars just because I'm not well and I'm trying to get better. So I lose money by not going to work. And then I go to the doctor and I lose money because, uh, the health insurance system is so messed up that it, it it becomes an impossible conundrum to take care of myself on both ends. Um, but yeah, so I, part of the reason that I won't give up work is because, uh, I need to pay. I'm, I'm jumping back subjects, but I, I, I need to get paid. And so, yeah, I, I don't want to be replaced. I can't be replaced. Uh, and if I am replaced, I won't get paid. It's not like I work for a salary job like at a university um, where I, I get sick days. Uh, if, I don't, if I don't work, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, I can't pay my bills. Um, if I go to a healthcare practitioner, I'm going to have to pay and I lose money again. So it becomes this dangerous, unmanageable cycle that... Uh, has nothing to do with my health. It has everything to do with will I be able to pay my rent at the end of the month. So the only time I really end up going to the doctor is when something is so severe. And chances are if I could have like nipped it in the bud beforehand, it probably wouldn't have been as bad. But it's stressful and unfortunate. And I think that a lot of dancers experience this where 
they they get paid poorly and uh they or even I mean I remember when I danced for Pacific Northwest Ballet we would often have these time crunches to get pieces together and if you took three days off when a choreographer was teaching new choreography um you wouldn't be in that section or you'd lose your role or um, if they, a stager was coming into said new ballet and you weren't there for the first day of class, they might not see you and you might not be cast altogether. Um, there's just so many, uh, variables. There we go. I was looking for a good word. That's a good word. There's so many variables that come into play here. All right. I'm going to move on to the next study that I read. So the other study that I read, uh, well, not, I mean, I read all nine of them, but, uh, the other one that struck me more than the others is, uh, about dancers and trauma versus other high-level athletes and trauma. So in this study, dancers tested for clinical anxiety had a rate of occurrence at 19.5% as compared to 7.7% for other high-level athletes. And that doesn't shock me because, I mean, my anxiety levels are so high. I've talked about this many times, and I know so many other dancers that have severe anxiety, um, some that are medicated, some that are not. Um also in this study, higher percentages of dancers experienced both childhood abuse and were victims of adult trauma. Uh, and then lastly, dancers who sustained more injuries, sorry, dancers, dancers sustained more injuries than other athletes, but were less likely to take time off when injured. So these were two studies that were not completely similar, but uh, in the same, kind of in the same vein where dancers are essentially program not to take care of themselves. Um, it's clear that our, to me at least, based off of these, that our arts culture tends to foster artists who have experienced struggles in life. I mean, I experienced a ton of emotional abuse at home in my childhood. And for me, getting into the, the dance studio was a release and an outlet. And it gave me something else to focus on my life and a way to better myself and a way to pull myself out of, uh, what I was experiencing. Um, so I feel that that's probably a common thread where a lot of young, especially girls, a lot of young girls are in, especially in the United States as well, are put into dance because it's sort of a culturally acceptable activity that almost every girl, has to, has to, what do they call it? It's a, when it's like a tradition and, but I can't find the words I'm looking for, but yeah, it's like a tradition to put your little girl into a ballet class. Um, but then maybe the ones that latch on are doing it more so as an escape. Um, but yeah, perhaps our culture has evolved to get more out of dance artists, uh, because we're coming into things particularly vulnerable. Um, I think that that's really an interesting, way of thinking of it. And maybe that's how things evolved. I mean, everything had to come from somewhere and chances are it's, it's like parents raising their kids. Like they try to do a better job than their parents did with them, but they have their own, they are their own people and they have their own, uh, amazing things and they have their own issues. And sometimes you can't help but project your, your issues onto your children. And then, uh, your children have to suffer the consequences of your inability to, to handle those certain things. And then it becomes this sort of like cycle. Uh, but I think it's the same with, with dance where it's like our dance parents, the people that are in charge, the, the, the artistic directors, the ballet masters and ballet mistresses that are at the top, maybe 
they were those kids that found solace in a dance studio and then they got into the career and they had different experiences and people told them you can't get sick you'll be replaced um you are injured well if you can still walk why aren't you on the stage and then they get to the top of the field and then they we they bring in they bring up the younger dancers and then cultivate them to the same so it becomes a, a dangerous cycle um i mean Obviously, there wasn't a study done on, on it in that way, uh, but I'd be really curious to see a study done on something like that. So yeah, it seems almost like we are programmed as dancers to like baseline take care of ourselves so that we can function, um, but if it gets in the way where we have to take time off or it is going to get in the way of our careers... Um, we, we won't take care of ourselves. Sometimes it's out of necessity. Like I said, dancers are underpaid. If you miss a day of work, you might not be able to pay your rent. It's not like if you miss, like I, I know some people, I mean, I've, I've been involved in many different communities of all different type of financial state in all different types of financial states. And some of them, it's like, if they lose $500 in a week. It's like losing $5 to most people. Um, where for a dancer, losing $20 could be enough where they can't eat for a day or two. Um, so I, I, I think it, it's, it's really challenging to really ta- like tag this and like put it down and say, this shouldn't happen, but at the same time, it's ingrained in us that we have to do whatever it takes so that we can pay our bills, so that we can continue doing what we do. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna seal this one. I, I don't think I don't know if I I came to a an end here where I feel like I've come to a uh, a conclusion that will be necessarily helpful, but I. I wanted to make sure that I, I discussed a topic on here that I think is very important and very relevant. Um, sometimes I do podcasts to like sort of explore something and come out with like a positive outcome. And in this, this episode, I don't necessarily mean to be too negative here, um, but it's an extremely relevant topic. And in this, in this podcast, my, I want to, I want to be candid. And as I tell people constantly, when they ask me about podcasting, cause I meet people all the time and they ask me like what I do, um, or like my writing style, I tell people my brand is candor. And uh, also that I often feel inspired by what I'm going through in the moment and sharing that publicly. Um, and that's the reason that I, I wanted to talk about this. So if you have any thoughts on this, please do feel free to reach out to me via my social media channels, either Facebook or Instagram, or you can always go on my website and you can uh, send me a message through there. I'll be curious to see if you have a similar experience or if you think that there is a way around this or if you think that just because dance is an underfunded uh, an underfunded area uh, of culture that it this is the way that it's always going to be. So yeah, I don't know if there's a fix, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. So I, I just want to finish this episode on a positive note. I know Thanksgiving is coming up this next week, and I do have a lot to be thankful for. And I will be spending that week in Buffalo and Philadelphia uh, just thinking back on my, my past year and thinking about all the wonderful things that I, I am grateful for. I've had so many uh, so much support 
from my community this year. I've had struggles, but I've had so much support. And just the fact that I'm starting a company and my community has come behind me, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and then, of course, my husband and my family and many other things. So I will keep that to myself or post it on Facebook when I decide to write a little like thankful status update, something like that. So I hope that you all have a wonderful, safe, healthy, and happy holiday. And I will chat with you in two weeks. All right. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. Uh, and on there, you can read about my work as a freelance artist and an independent contractor traveling the country for over five years. I also have Dancing Off Stage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I spoke about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel if you want to check out my choreography, and you can find that by going to youtube.com, going to the search panel, and typing in B. Corollis. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.